0: And welcome to episode 257 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode is the musician Alex Melton. Alex is someone that has really taken the industry by storm. You may have known him for some of his incredible covers that he does on YouTube. He's just grown and grown and right now has over 25 million views since 2012 on his YouTube channel. He covers the likes of Taylor Swift, Blink 182, Third Eye Blind and has this amazing genre blending covers that you can get this kind of feel of a country song but it's also this kind of rock and pop element. I can't really describe it until you listen to it but it's absolutely awesome so I'm thrilled that he's joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. That interview will be coming up in just a couple of moments but before we get to it let's touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 256, I got to sit and talk to the film director, Becky Hutner. A massive thank you for Becky for coming on. It was her first ever podcast appearance and you would never have known. She's listened back, absolutely loved it and the response as always has been amazing. So thank you for everyone that tuned in. But today, it's all about Alex Melton, and this interview is brilliant. But just before we get to that, let me just say a massive thank you to the sponsor of this podcast, Richer Sounds. You may have seen this week on all my social media channels the announcement, but I've signed a sponsorship deal with these amazing guys, and they're going to take this podcast to the next stage. So if you are right now in the market for a new TV, some speakers, maybe a Sonos, a DVD player, a Blu-ray player, some streaming gear... Hit them up at richersounds.com and honestly, you will not be let down. So I think that's all that's left to do now is to get to the interview with me and Alex. So here's me and Alex talking all things music. So Alex, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to get into it.
0: Alex, what I like to do for my guests now, there might be people that are tuning in because they're a fan of your work already. But what I like about the podcast is that it sometimes gives people an opportunity to find a new artist. Uh, So I wanted them to get a bit of an idea about you as a person uh, and what kind of shaped the music taste that you listen to and play now. So let's take it right back to the very beginning and talk to me about when you were growing up, maybe as a kid. Can you remember those first albums that you bought that you just absolutely fell in love with straight away?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I I don't I guess I don't know if they're over there, too, but we have these uh, compilation discs. That were huge in in the early two thousands and that now that's what I call music.
0: Yeah, I've um, got literally a box at my parents' house and I, I had them all, literally all of them.
1: I um I I remember one specifically. I I think it was maybe the eighth one. It had um a Blink One Eighty Two song and a Sum Forty One song, and um I think it was Fat Lip and maybe Rock Show. Nice. And I remember. You know, there was other stuff, maybe like some Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or something, <clears throat> and um, I was really into those boy bands at the time, like the whole like uh that whole wave. I was really just like kind of just pop music what I was on the radio, and then I heard these like songs with these guitars and these like crazy drums, and they're just yelling all over the place, and it grabbed me uh in a in a way that. That I had only really like been passively listening to music I think before that and I think that that skyrocketed my appreciation a deep appreciation for music and um, so you know I started getting the internet was not what it is today and so the discoverability um, was you know you're you're only gonna really scratch the surface you know at that level like the biggest bands uh, and so, you know, you go to, I went to Target or Best Buy or one of those places and I bought the first All-American Rejects album. And I think uh, Good Charlotte's, The Young and the Hopeless was one of the first ones as wow. well. A
0: textbook albums.
1: Yeah. And um, I got lucky, you know, because you, you don't know what they sound like when you go yeah. in there and you buy a, you buy an album and, you know, kind of go off the cover and what you've heard from friends. and <clears throat> And so... You know those two albums were pretty early on, and then also I had um, kind of a, a a guy that I knew that burned CDs a lot, and so uh, one day he 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 heard that you know I was getting into this kind of music, and so he showed up to school with all three of like what I consider the top Blink One Eighty Two albums: the Anima, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and Untitled. Um untitled had probably just come out like a year prior and so he gave me all three of those he'd written the track lists on the cd itself and sharpie and he was like you need to hear these and and those three records really changed my life
0: some kids are listening now thinking what the fuck do you mean you've got a cd (laughs) and a sharpie like what i what don't you just mean a usb
1: (laughs) yeah it was um that that was the thing you know you'd put it on in the car you'd have the little booklet of all the, all of your CDs. And um, yeah, it was, it was, I didn't realize just what, what that moment meant in the moment, but we were like in middle school and he was like, here are the three CDs that will change your life one day. Um, But yeah, that, those are kind of, that's kind of a sampling of my early, early uh, influences, I think.
0: And what about live? Because one of the first bands that I went to see, I've said this many times on the podcast, but it was Green Day. I saw them on their Dookie tour. It mm. uh, shows my age, but um,
2: <laughs>
0: it blew my mind. I couldn't believe that three people could make that much noise. I thought Billy Joe Armstrong was just fucking incredible. And the moment he came on, he had the whole crowd in his hand, literally from good evening. I was like, wow. <laughs> and uh, since that, it then went on to heavier so I looked like horn limp biscuit deftones pearl jam but that green day gig was the one that made me kind of think i want to pick up a guitar i want to sing i want to be punk i want to wear a different jacket i want to you know sew on patches and can you remember that first gig you went to that made you think one day i want to do what they're doing
1: you know live music is a very a very special thing it's 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 so much more energizing and uh, motivating than than anything else, uh, especially for for musicians that watch and and yeah, you do kind of get that itch to like emulate it immediately. It's like this this very uh, palpable energy in the air that is that is very addictive. That being said, I'm I'm from a very small town and my market is uh, pretty much non-existent when it comes to shows. And so a lot of my early shows were just like uh smaller local bands that would come through that had this this level of professionalism. You know, they were touring, they were on the road, and it was enough of a show that that it kind of scratched that itch for me. And then, you know, these, these bands, you can just walk up to them and, and talk to them after the shows. It's not like a, an arena or a yeah. theater. And so that was really um a kind of an eye-opening experience just to be like talking to these people and then after a while you're like oh okay we're we're kind of just both just guys you know just people and um this happens to be the thing that they're doing uh and they're good at it and and it it is um I'm trying to think I think the first like real proper huge gig I went to was um it must have been blink one eighty two on their reunion tour. So like uh 2009 maybe 2011 somewhere in that range i i finally saw them in a big amphitheater and it was uh it was fantastic um you know mark and tom and travis uh, that was the lineup at the time i know it's kind of all over the place lately but um but yeah that that blink gig was uh was really cool and i you know i did see uh, fallout boy at the same place a few years prior and um that was another one that was that 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 man patrick stump is a force of nature um he's another big one for me so yeah i not not so much uh on the live end of things i've only had a few real memorable moments uh and memories there but but it's definitely um a very special thing for me that i like to do now you know i'll go see like bands like pine grove um, with a couple thousand people, you know, and that that feels like my sweet spot,
0: yeah, that's good. And I suppose Blink 182 have had quite a mention on this podcast already. Are you absolutely buzzing the fact that next year they're back and we should be able to see them? Well, this year now, uh, and we've got arena gigs and they're playing everywhere and anywhere, and it just looks like they're really back with a vengeance,
1: yeah. It's, it's, you know, I my my relationship with that band is very complicated, I think, and um, I, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic is, yeah. is how i'll put it
0: <laughs> i've seen them a few times uh and they've been one of the best bands of the whole weekend and then they've been the worst band i've ever seen live it's it's crazy like they've just got pissed before and drunk and gone on stage and literally forgotten how to play their chords and i'm like this is embarrassing you're like headlining a festival is is terrible and other times they've just been amazing so i'm like which one are you going to be
1: yeah it's it's hard to know that you know when you when you have that kind of conflicting experience um i think the thing that makes them special is um all the stuff in between the songs you know that you know that's always going to be there all the banter and the the fun stuff so maybe maybe that's enough of a selling point for most people
0: so with your career obviously you've watched these bands you've listened to these amazing bands at what point was it that you were picking up at what point was it you were picking up a guitar and starting to kind of play and not just you know do it for yourself but want to get out there and kind of get heard a bit more or get people to kind of take note of you and sort of make a name for yourself
1: yeah uh it, these days it feels crazy to say that i didn't really start producing uh content yeah uh, until after i graduated college um you know i was i spent you know university from uh 2008 to 2012 uh, so, you know, social media was a thing. The Internet was a thing. YouTube was a thing. Um, and I would practice making videos um, with what I had while I was in college, uh, you know, it's in dorm rooms and apartments. And I would put stuff together and I would record my friends. And and uh, basically, I got like kind of a music degree with an emphasis on recording technology. But it wasn't like an engineering type degree it was a very strange degree and it's very small university in, in South Carolina, but, um, you know, I, I met several, uh, really important like people there that would kind of shape, um, how I work now, like, you know, t- teaching me pro tools and doing all the ear training and the music theory. Um, so it was immensely valuable as a, as a ground layer. Uh, you know i've been playing guitar since high school you know and and you go you go into into the band room and you see a drum set and you sit down and you start picking things out you know um and so i was kind of cultivating all of the instrumental knowledge throughout high school and then the technical knowledge throughout college and um and then once i graduated uh i you know you you kind of have to find a job and you have to do all the stuff so, to yeah. to earn a living in society and and I, I had this crazy thought of what if I had like a recording studio and um you know I just recorded regional bands and so I needed like a reel and I needed to be able to show off what I could do and so I just recorded myself and I was like how are people going to watch this What what's the attention grabbing thing and so that's when I kind of decided let me let me cover this Taylor Swift song that's really huge right now, but, you know, add some drums and some production things that I would do for bands if they wanted it. Yeah. And, um, so that was kind of my real and, and, you know, I, I didn't have a space. I didn't have, uh, barely any, I, I had just enough microphones to cover the drum kit. I was not getting hired by any bands anytime soon, but, um, I, I kept making these little demo things and, um, they started getting seen to where I had a couple thousand subscribers and I was pretty happy with that. Um, and it wasn't until 2020 when everything just kind of exploded, uh, which was, that's kind of the best case scenario because you've already laid all the groundwork. You're, you're building the skill set as you, as you go. And then once people discover you, you know, you've, you've got something for them to see. Um, and so that was kind of the timeline of, of, Of how i got started in music and how uh you know i ended up where i am now i guess so
0: so was there something that triggered it can you remember the moment that kind of felt like that turning point when you said it blew up was there something that had happened that you went fuck like this has changed everything
1: yeah um i was working in a in a live live production environment uh i was the the technical supervisor of a performing arts center and um one day i it's funny i started off my youtube channel making taylor swift covers and and then the thing that blew up in 2020 was also a taylor swift cover um and so i kind of capitalized on this trend and i used a bunch of the stage lights on on our theater stage and made this big cover and this big spectacle and um it got seen like four million times overnight and uh everybody was loving it. And I went into the theater the next day, we had like a staff meeting while we were like sitting on stage, 10 feet apart going like, all right, can we inventory the lights again this week? I, we don't, we, you know, COVID shut everything down. But, uh, and I was like, Hey guys, I, I, a bunch of people saw my video last night and they were like, neat. All right. Anyway, let's get back to work. And, um, <laughs> and, And then, you know, things quickly snowballed after that video, um, because I was able to just hit the ground running people, you know, were like, let's hear the full version of your cover. And so I was in a position to take a few days off work and just bang it out real quick. Uh, and I put it up and I was like, Hey, it's on my YouTube channel. And that got enough people on the YouTube channel to, you know, kickstart me in the Google algorithm, I guess. And, uh. You know, I started getting more views there and more views on on TikTok. You know, I tried TikTok for a while. It's not for me. I think in the end, I discovered it's a little too fickle. It's a little too uh, unpredictable. Um, And YouTube has its moments, but it's it's much more stable in terms of like, I feel
0: like... I feel like you can go on YouTube and watch a video. I love the band Thrice, one of my favorite ever. And I'll go back and watch... Performances from them from 10 years ago at acoustic centers and stuff, and still be blown away. TikTok feels like if you miss it, it's just gone. It's just like a quick five seconds, like you're walking somewhere, or someone's on the toilet, or you just want a quick, like, and it's gone, like an Instagram story. And before you know it, it's like, oh, I'm not going to research and go back and find cool stuff on there.
1: Yeah, because guess what? Like a hundred other videos have been uploaded and created since you scrolled on mine. And so yeah, There's just this never-ending source of entertainment or engagement. And so, um, yeah, I, I think my biggest accomplishment in my career has been uh, the conversion of TikTok fans to YouTube fans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what do you do then? So you're, you're seeing all these amazing numbers coming through. You're then, you know, thinking to yourself, I, I want to keep on going with this momentum, you know, or you don't want to just let it die. You don't want to be a one-hit wonder. So you're covering more, you've got, I suppose, pressure then, because people want to hear more, they want to see more. Once you've got that subscriber, you don't want them just to, like, fizzle out, do you? So I take it you're there sitting there going, right, let's do more covers, let's get some punk songs I used to love, let's get some old-school songs, and just keep them filled with ongoing material.
1: Yeah, I, I I learned early on it was very important to be consistent in your posting schedule, and so... um yeah, it it was really just a a natural confluence of of my you know what I grew up listening to versus what I'm into now and the sounds that I I like now. I you know my my whole horizons have been broadened musically. I I don't just love pop punk music although that is kind of where my heart is. But you know a lot of the alt country stuff that's coming out now is really uh, capturing my creative imagination and even a lot of the pop stuff, a lot of the kind of indie space, I, I'm trying to get into pretty much a little bit of everything, even some heavier music, even heavier than what I do. Uh, and that's kind of where I like to live. I, from week to week, I want to switch it up. And so, even though there are consistent themes to what I do, like I'll, you know, I, I work a lot in that kind of emo, pop punk, early 2000s space. But the way that I'll treat my uh, arrangement uh, could be influenced by Casey Musgraves or, or, you know, even, I don't know, bands like uh, A Day to Remember or August Burns Red sometimes. Like it's, it's kind of just, it's a way to keep it fresh while keeping a consistent theme for me.
0: Casey Musgraves is like, she just blows my mind. The amount of talent she has the golden hour album and the song butterflies is just flawless. I'm like, yeah, it's got elements of like a female Tom Petty. I'm like, you're fucking unbelievable. But then she can be a pop star at the same time if she needs to be, you know, with the the look and the outfits and the show she puts on, but her songwriting is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. It's uh the, so many things I can appreciate about golden hour. Just, the the production on the drums especially it's so minimal but very effective and the way that they use like keyboards and and other acoustic guitar stuff it, it, it never leans too far into pure pop no. but there's so many elements of of like these cool production moments that that lend themselves so perfectly to her specific brand of like i don't know, i guess you can call it country music um but yeah, and her voice is phenomenal. And that that record, I saw her play um, in Asheville, North Carolina, on like a little medium-sized theater a couple years ago, uh, right when that record came out, and it was mind-blowing. I mean, yeah. yeah, the lasers and the light show and her band was incredible. And yeah, that's a that's a that's a real one.
0: So you signed to Pure Noise Records and obviously while we're talking now, the album will be out there, uh, Southern Charm. So you sat there and kind of thought to yourself, I want to get something out there that people can jump on you know, with Spotify and YouTube, not just videos but a whole collection of music and with this you've kind of split it down to kind of two halves, haven't you? You've got kind of a not not he- not heavy but a bit more rock orientated but then also the mellow side so you've kind of got a bit of something for everyone
1: yeah it's it's a really interesting project I think uh with Pure Noise when they you know we started talking that was kind of like all of my favorite bands were on that label it was yeah. you know a real big fir- full circle moment for me and um with this album you know we wanted to include a lot of the pure noise uh kind of ecosystem and so the back half are all pure noise bands um where i kind of took them and and made them a little bit you know acoustic natural vibe uh alt country-ish some of them it kind of spans the gamut there's some faster you know kind of bluegrass inspired things and then there's more uh like again uh, we I referenced that Casey Musgrave snare drum so many times in the studio, um, trying to get that sound. But yeah, and then the 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 first half is um, I actually worked with Tom Denny, who uh, formerly of a day to remember, and he's just a fantastic uh, writer and arranger. And so I went in the studio with with like no demos or anything, and um, we just kind of sat there and we're like, all right, let's create some alternate versions of really you know catchy popular you know uh early 2000s country songs and um he just knocked it out of the park it was so fun working with him and he would just take the guitar and you know give him five minutes and now he has this really cool like counter melody lead part to the the chords he wrote and it all just fits it was it was despite the workload of starting everything from scratch it really went so smooth and it was uh, such a great experience for me because again, I just I do everything here in my room alone with the gear that I have, and and um, it was it it was a really interesting experience to go work with somebody for once, and, and trust the process and trust that, okay, Alex, you don't you don't have to do every single tiny little part of the process along the way, um, even though I I I so enjoy having my hands in every part of the process i want to know what's going on but um sometimes it's nice to just sit back and be an artist
0: but is that quite hard to do because you've been for so long fully in control like i'm at the i'm this podcast i edit it i produce it i set up all the interviews i um <clears throat> do everything even choose the artwork and so mm. someone came along now and was like i can edit it for you i'd be like Ugh no leave it like don't take my (laughs) baby off me like i'd really appreciate that because i get a lot of time back but you're not going to do it right and i won't be happy about this and i won't like the fact you've done this and you haven't normalized this and i'll be really anal about it so did you find it quite hard or quite refreshing then just to go i'm going to sit back and let somebody else have a bit of you know hands-on as well
1: it well it, it comes down to like the existential like reason for the channel and i i I can't help but feel like part of the draw is that I am doing it on myself. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like like a factory where I'm just pumping out these things and I'm like, all right, let me record some vocals and I'm just gonna hand it off to a guy and I'm moving on to the next thing. It's really I live with the cover, the arrangement for usually about five days or so. Um, and I just eat, sleep, and breathe that song, you know, we'll I have an engineer co-producer that is very it's perfect he's so hands-off but he knows exactly when to contribute or the right question to ask me that will get my brain moving in a way Uh, that is you know ever since I brought him on in July the quality I feel like has just skyrocketed but again it's it's not offloading any it's it almost takes longer with a second person in this case but the product is is worth it to me much worth yeah. it and um so it's but but i i very much uh want to keep my options open in the future if if i were to produce another band or mix another band's album i want to be honing those skills now i i i don't want to give some other engineer practice on my stuff i i want to be you know th- at the same time i'm getting better as an artist as a performer, as a, a videographer, I want to also be getting better at uh, engineering and, and mixing and mastering and um, finding the right sounds, uh, soundscape production, you know, getting into the weeds on on all of that. So that it's it's a passion project at its core in that way, because I I have no interest like you. I have no interest in um, in in kind of outsourcing what is essentially my voice in the form of, uh, of, of a myriad of things. Um, so, But yeah, it, for these one-off projects like the album, uh, it's nice to break that cycle a little and uh, shake things up because it's a little uncomfortable at times because I am so used to just being in my own little bubble. But that's where the growth happens. And then you get to watch other producers and engineers and and pick up things. And there's so many tiny quality of life improvements that I do now in Pro Tools that I didn't even know existed before I went to Massachusetts and and worked with uh with Alan Kay from Four Year Strong on the back half of the record. Like he was just doing all kind of stuff. And I was like, you can do that? Okay. I'm gonna remember that. And so it's it's been just like a, a a real crash course in a lot of the more advanced production stuff that it, I didn't get in college.
0: Do you kind of have yourself a tick list of stuff you want to achieve? Like now you've got the album under wraps, it's going to be ready to release out there. Do you have like a certain goal following that? I mean, you never must've thought to yourself, you'd put a YouTube video on, go to bed and wake up with 4 million plays. You know, no one dreams of doing that. It's kind of a thing you see in a film, but now (laughs) you've got that and you've got this kind of momentum and drive and passion and an audience, which is the most important part. Are you now thinking to <laughs> yourself, like, I'd love to do a tour across, you know, Europe. Try and get into the UK. Try and play some festivals. Try and get out there and show, I'm not just a guy on a video. I can, you know, I am the real thing.
1: That's it's tough again because so much of of what I like about it is that I'm playing everything. I'm doing everything, and the nature of of live performances, unfortunately, I only can pick one instrument at a time. Um, and so I'm still trying to kind of work out what a live experience looks like yeah. for, for me. But at the same time, I I'm very much interested in original music as well. And I, 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 I want to dispel the notion that, you know, I doing the covers to get attention for my eventual originals this is my artistic expression, the, the, the alternate arrangements and and the production. That's, you know, how I uh, kind of express myself artistically in, in this kind of season of my life. Um, and so it, there's not, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say like, there's not really artistic fulfillment in covering other people's songs, but I very much find that to be false because, uh, every week I'm I'm like doing a new thing that is so uh, different and I'm impressed with myself at how I can rise to the occasion if I if I say like all right I, I want to do this in this style but I've never really sang like this and then I'll I'll do it a bunch. I'll try it. I'll record myself, I'll listen, I'll see how I need to adjust and then I'll figure it out and um, yeah I, I I am doing some live stuff. And I want to continue doing it because, again, that energy is unmatched when you with people in a room. But I, I really want to make sure it's the right vehicle uh, for for my specific thing that I'm doing. So it's, you know, whether that's kind of an acoustic thing or maybe I'll get some musicians eventually and, and put a band together. But <clears throat> it's. I don't I don't have that like express desire that's not the end goal is is these these tours or these festivals i'm i'm quite introverted and uh it it is very nerve-wracking for me every time i have gotten on a stage i it's not like i you know i'm a born performer and i live to be in front of people uh it's i kind of have to like psych myself up and convince myself all right let's go do this it's going to be fun once you're out there um so yeah, it's it's a little complicated in that in that world.
0: It's tough, isn't it? Because you want more people to see your work. But if you are a bit of an introvert and you'd like to just not be out there, it's such a such a tough one. It's like I should get out there really, but I don't want to. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's it's especially hard when you, you make a YouTube video on any given week that's gonna be way more than any one show you could book. And so it it's the energy Being devoted to that, where you know I can have such a a wider reach, is just kind of the economics of of my time as well. So,
0: what I do on the uh, podcast—it's my last question for you today—but what I try and do to keep it quite original, and I think you'll find it quite difficult because you're a songwriter, because you're a performer, because you write, and you know have had a really successful few years now but everyone that comes on gets to choose the last piece of music that's played on the podcast so as every interview (laughs) is all wrapped up it doesn't matter if they're a huge band a small band an actor a director they get to choose the last piece of music that's on and it's interesting because some people will pick like the Beatles or Rolling Stones but then people will pick like a b-side or a, a film score track but it makes it very personal to the guests and I love that about it and sometimes it gives me a reason to go and discover new music but sure, what would yeah. you love to be a outro song today? I'm not going to let it be Blink 182 because they've had too much <laughs> limelight today on this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah fair but is, there,
0: is there a song by a band or a piece of music that just means a lot to you?
1: Let's, um, I'm going to look at my Spotify really quickly. <clears throat> That's fine. Uh, Everyone
0: does. And then they get it down <laughs> to like 10 choices and then five and then down to two. And then in a week you'll think, fuck, I should have said this
1: yeah, that's the thing about you know the the whole like favorite band's list or favorite albums list it it is so context specific for me. Um I think a song that that is just top to bottom, like pure art to me, uh, from the lyrics and the the messaging and the instrumentation uh, is No Drugs by Pine Grove uh that's that's
0: so that's you've mentioned them already today so i was like oh right so i will check this out it's uh
1: it's it's a song about wanting to be present and saying you know telling yourself all right let's not do drugs and alcohol today let me let me actually feel uh how the world actually is (laughs) um and i think a lot of people maybe out of habit or other things just kind of struggle with that that concept uh me included so uh it's it's really powerful song and it's performed beautifully and so yeah that's my pick
0: I think a lot of people tune in today and be inspired by you because there's nothing wrong with being an introvert there's nothing wrong than kind of being a bit shy and not wanting to put yourself out there for the whole world to see but a lot of the world have seen you on youtube so it kind of (laughs) it's inspiring to listen to you talk and I'm really glad that it's worked out the way it has because the success has come your way and it's because you've worked hard and you've not giving in and you've not thrown the white towel in and you've thought fuck it I'm going to keep trying and challenging yourself and to see people rewarded for that is so good than just a manufactured band being told to play this song and go up on stage and look good it it kind of means more and I think you'll have longevity I can see you going places I can see you playing festivals I do even though you might not see it right now (laughs) I can see you getting a set of musicians out there and wanting to take it to that next level. So I'm really excited to kind of see where your journey takes you.
1: Yeah, I I got, I got into this business to work hard and, um, I'm definitely going to continue doing that. I'm going to continue growing as much as I can. And, uh, you know, connecting with people, uh, about, you know, mutual things we love in music.
0: It's good, man. But I, I really appreciate your time and coming on the podcast. Um, I want people that have listened today to then go and check out the album. Um, I've been sent, luckily, an advanced copy, so I've been able to listen to it. And what surprised me straight away was like, I've had State Champs on the podcast. I've had Stick to Your Guns. I've had Can't Swim. I've had The Story So Far. And I'm like, oh, fucking <laughs> hell, it's like the best of podcast. But uh, obviously <laughs> with, with the label and everything, it, it makes sense. But you've done all those incredible songs justice and they're not just direct copies. Sometimes you, you hear a kind of a live session on Radio 1 in the UK and it's like, we're going to have, this band and they're going to play a Paramore cover and they just literally play it note for note. And that's good. And it takes a lot to sound like Haley Williams and to make this mm-hmm. percussion sound great. But I like it when somebody just changes it. So you're like, I know this song because of the lyrics, but it's, it's working in a different way. And I think you've got the balance perfect. So uh, yeah, I wish you all the luck and thank you for your time.
1: That's, that's exactly where the magic is. I'm glad you uh, appreciate and pick up on that. Uh, this was really great conversation. I, I, I feel like every time I do one of these, I learn something new about myself as well. So thank you for that. So there it is.
0: There's my interview with me and Alex Melton. What an amazing guy. And as you're sitting listening to this, please go and check out his album. You can listen to it on any streaming platforms or hit him up on his website and buy it because it's brilliant. This guy needs to get even bigger, get better, and I want to see him playing some shows over in the UK. So hopefully one day that can happen. But what a lovely guy. So humble. And if you haven't checked out his work, also look on his YouTube channel. It's amazing. The time he spends on the production of his videos and all the work that goes in really does deserve your attention. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please go out there and share it for me. It's because of this fan base that this podcast is so successful. You know I don't have any money to put into a marketing team. I'm a one-man team. But with your help, I can take this podcast even further. And all you have to do to keep this podcast free is to keep on sharing. So if you're listening to this and you're on Twitter, why not hit that retweet button? If you're on Facebook, hit the share button. And if you're on Instagram, why not put it as one of your stories or even just like and comment when you see the episode. That helps with the algorithm, gets more and more people to see it. And who knows, you might get someone that sees the picture that you've posted. They jump on board, go back and listen to all the 250 episodes and then stay for the long journey. And for me, that's a dream come true and costs you guys at home nothing. If you do want to spend a little bit of money and help me out, I do have a Patreon account. As you know, this is my only source of income, but it doesn't actually go back into paying me. It goes back into the production of the podcast. So if you can spare maybe a pound a month for that, you're going to get some stickers, a badge. And right now, honestly, you're going to get these exclusive episodes that are just for you guys at home. I've called them The Lost Tapes and they're Patreon exclusive episodes and the next one is out in a couple of weeks time and I'm so excited to share it but the only way you ever get to hear these is if you support me on Patreon. The link is on markandme.com and like I said all the money that comes in goes right back into allowing me to put this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, all these different channels. It doesn't come cheap but from the support of you guys at home it can happen so please keep it coming and the support is greatly appreciated. I'll be back in only a few days' time with yet another brand new episode. I'm so excited. I've spent the last few days editing and I've got some incredible interviews coming up. I feel it's my best ever work. That's not me being arrogant, I'm just really proud of them. And there's a whole range of different bands, directors, actors and so much more. So until then, look after yourself, go and check out right now Alex Melton's work. Take care and I'll speak to you all very soon
2: no drugs and alcohol today i want to remember everything we talk about